you have your Bibles with you tonight, would you open them please? The second Samuel chapter 21 verses 15 through 17. Sunday night we're in a sermon series on the life of David. It's been an interesting study to say the least as we've looked at a man who has the heart of God. And we see that he's not Superman or Captain Marvel. He's a plain, ordinary man, just like you and I are. But yet in all of his frailties and all of his uh, problems and all of his spots and blemishes, God uses him. And tonight we're looking at David and old age. David and old age. Some of you have perked up a little bit. Second Samuel 21, verse 15. Moreover, the Philistines have went to war again with Israel. And David went down and his soldiers followed him. And they fought a battle against the Philistines. And David became tired and weary. He became faint. And Ishbibab, which was the son of the giant, or one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, and being girded with the new sword, he confronted David in this battle, and he sought to kill David. But Abishah, the son of Zeru, rescued David. And he killed the Philistine giant before he could kill David. Then the men of David swore unto David, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that the quench not the light of Israel. Wow. One day, Sooner than we think or sooner than we like, Father Time and Mother Nature are going to catch up with us. No exclusions, no exceptions, no exemptions. Whether you're at the top of the totem pole or the bottom of the totem pole, whether you're high on the mountain or you're low in the valley, listen to me, one day, Father Time and Mother Nature are going to tap us on the shoulder and say, here I am. Now, some indications that that might be happening are these. Take note. The skin under your biceps flaps in the breeze. So you can do the, you do the check there. It could be happening. To you, Father Time and Mother Nature could be there with you right now if it's easier to brush your teeth out than it is in. <laughs> or your favorite drink is insure on the rocks. <laughs> or you sit in a rocking chair, but you can't get it going. Or bingo is your favorite indoor sport. Or you try to straighten out the wrinkles in your socks. 
And lo and behold, you find out you're not wearing socks. Your knees buckle, but your pants don't. And that little gray-haired person crossing the street, that's you. (laughs) And everything on your body hurts, and what doesn't hurt doesn't work. Now, if if that's you, Father Time and Mother Nature are right there with you. Now, in our text, David is getting up in age. But he's still leading the armies of Israel into battle as their commander-in-chief. David wore two hats. He wore the hat of a king, he was a monarch, and he wore the hat of a soldier, he was a warrior. And yet as David now leads the armies of Israel into battle yet again against the Philistines, the David of old is not the David of young. Age has begun to creep up on David. He's not as sharp as he used to be. He's not as swift as he used to be. He's not as strong as he used to be. He's not as skillful as he used to be. He doesn't have the the savvy and the swag that he used to have. And as David is engaged in hand-to-hand combat with the Philistines... As the warrior he was, he faces a Philistine giant who may well have been one of the kin of Goliath. And this giant knocks David to the ground. And he's going for the kill. And he would have killed David if it wasn't for David's bodyguard, Abishai, stepping in. Rescuing David by killing the giant. When the battle is over, the commanders that are under David, the soldiers that serve David, are all in agreement that David needs to retire. Retire. The word that some of us never want to hear, the word that some of us can't wait to hear. Retire. David, it's time for you to retire as a soldier, as a warrior, as the commander-in-chief of the army of Israel. You can stay the king. We need you as the king. You can stay the monarch. You can wear the crown. But take the helmet off. You no longer will be fighting anymore. David, it's time for you to get on Medicare. It's time for you to collect Social Security. It's time for you, David, to get your AARP card. It's time for you to go to McDonald's and get your discounted coffee. It's time for you to go to the fair and enjoy that special day from folks like you. It's time to go to Publix on Wednesday and get that 5% discount. No more battles, David. You must retire as a soldier lest you die in battle and we be without a king. Three things I want to lay on your heart tonight. As you and I, one day, are going to retire. The first thing, 
in our older years, in our retirement years, we learn who the real challenge is in life. In our older years, in our retirement years, we're going to have a startling revelation. We're going to learn who the real problem is. Charlie Brown was looking at a mess that was all around him. And he was having a conversation with Snoopy. And Charlie Brown said to Snoopy, I have found the problem in all this mess. It's me. You see, David has wore many hats in his lifetime. David has wore the hat of the hero when he slayed Goliath. He's wore the hat of a fugitive when King Saul, that madman and murderer, chased him around trying to kill him. He's wore the hat of a soldier. David was a warrior. He was a man's man when it came to battle in his younger years. He's wore the hat of a king. David was Israel's second king and probably the greatest king they ever had. He wore the hat of a husband, though he had many wives against the will of God. He wore the hat of a, of a father and a grandfather, though he was very poor at both. He wore the hat of a singer. He wore the hat of a writer of songs. He wore the hat of a shepherd. He even wore the hat of a zero. You know, it's amazing how people who hail you as a hero can also hail you as a zero. And when David was in that conflict with his son Absalom, many people turned on him. What I'm trying to get you to see is David has lived a life that is 24-7 in the fast lane. He's wore a lot of different hats, and in his life there has always been something to do all the time. Busy, busy, busy. But now all of a sudden, David has been told to sit down. You're not going to wear this hat anymore. God is going to slow you down, David. Because God wants you to focus on the most important person. And that's you. David, you have neglected yourself. You've neglected in some ways your relationship with me. Trying to be everything to everybody. David, slow down. Stop and smell the roses of your relationship with me and with the relationship you have with your loved ones. You're moving too fast. Slow down. I've made a, an observation as I've gotten older, and it's this. The most reflective, the most calmest, the most peaceful people in the world are those who have had a heart attack. Think about that. When you have a heart attack, you fear for your life. When your heart's messing up, you fear for your life. And when you go to the doctor, you listen to everything he says. And what does the doctor say to you when you've had a heart attack? Slow 
upset about anything. Because stress is bad for your heart. Take a nap in the afternoon. Exercise a little bit. Eat the right foods. Stay away from the grease and the sugar and the salt and all those things that are good. (laughs) Take time to, to meditate about life now and about life later. Spend time with your family. Spend time with your God. People who have had a heart attack, it slows them down. And all the things that they should have been doing before, all of a sudden they start doing because they want to live. Life is still a rat race, but it's at a snail's pace. Life takes on a new priority and a new purpose for those who have had a heart attack. David hasn't had a heart attack, but God is saying to David, through his leadership and through his people, slow down. Slow down, David. You've wore so many hats for so many years that you've neglected yourself, and in neglecting yourself, you've neglected your family, and you've neglected me. Slow down. You know, David's challenge, though, is himself. I don't know that David knows how to slow down. When you've been 24-7 for 40 years of your life, how do all of a sudden you just change? David's been a warrior all of his life. Do you understand that? He's a military man. And all of a sudden he's been told by his military leadership and by the soldiers who serve him, David, you're no longer warrior material. And David, if you continue to go to battle, you're going to be killed because there's going to come a time when somebody can't rescue you. Take the helmet off, David. Put the crown on and be our king. Be the light that we need. Be the man that's in touch with God that we need. We don't need you as a soldier. We need you as a king. How do you think David took that? Just asking, how do you think he took it? I don't think he took it very well. I think he wanted to keep on doing what he was doing. I'm sure he made excuses. I slipped. I had that giant. I was just setting him up. I could have done it. But David was only fooling himself. God was wanting David to begin to change. Change who he was and how he did things. And the greatest enemy you and I will ever have as we grow older in accepting that change is ourself. Particularly men who cannot accept change. When I was thinking about people who can't accept change, I was thinking about Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis was one of the greatest heavyweight boxers of all time. Some of you saw Joe Lewis fight. He was a tremendous heavyweight champion. 
Joe Lewis finished his career by entering the ring against Rocky Marciano. And Rocky knocked him out. Humiliated Joe Lewis. Pounded him into submission before he KO'd him. When Joe Lewis was younger, I don't know if Rocky could have beat him. But now an old fighter with diminished skills climbing into the ring with one of the greatest punchers of all time. It really wasn't much of a fight. Joe Lewis should have never been in the ring. He didn't know how to retire. He didn't know it was time was up. Reminds me of another champion, no matter what you thought about him, Muhammad Ali. Probably the greatest fighter of all time. And yet Ali could not retire. He didn't know how to retire. And so in the latter part of his years, he lost fights to to boxers that were far inferior to him. Because his skill sets had diminished. I think about Willie Mays, the say hey kid who played with the San Francisco Giants. One of the greatest center fielders of all time. You know where he finished up his career? One of the top five outfielders probably of all time. He finished up his career, not with the San Francisco Giants, who told him he needed to retire. He said, I'm not ready to retire. So he went to the New York Mets and played. And with the Mets, he couldn't hit. He couldn't throw. He couldn't catch. He couldn't run. He was a shell of himself. Willie Mays should have retired. He didn't know how to retire. I remember Joe Namath. When the Jets said, it's time to go, Joe, Joe said, no, it's not. And so a a quarterback with two broken down legs, an arm that couldn't throw anymore, a body that was battered beyond its age, went to the Los Angeles Rams Played one year there before they had to let him go. A Hall of Fame quarterback, a Super Bowl winning quarterback, and they let him go. He couldn't play the game anymore. Strom Thurmond, our senator from South Carolina for many years. Do you remember the last years of his life? I remember he was at at a conference in Washington and he was sitting at the table, Strom Thurmond, And I remember it very clearly. He sat there and he couldn't see. He was squinting. He couldn't hear. He had people whispering into his ear trying to tell him what was being said. His mind was slow. You could tell by looking at him he was struggling to focus. His speech when he talked was in sound bites of just a couple of words. And yet here he is, a senator, one of 100 senators in this country, serving on a committee of importance involved in a a special prosecution or something that was going on. And his aides are telling him everything. Shake your head. Raise your hand. Say it. Folks, it was embarrassing. I felt sorry for him. He didn't know when to retire. 
and stayed around longer than he should and looked foolish. Joe Namath didn't know when to retire, stayed around and looked bad. Willie Mays, Joe Lewis, and listen, I could say thousands of other names and maybe you and I too. There comes a time when God says it's time to change. You're not the person you used to be. It's not a bad thing, but it's a factual thing. You need to make adjustments. And some of us can't. I don't know that David was very good at it. You see, change can be a blessing in disguise if we will accept it and adhere to it. Change doesn't mean that we do nothing. It doesn't mean you go from 150 miles an hour to zero. (laughs) It simply means you learn how to slow it down just a tad. That you can still get to where you want to go, it just takes you a little longer. You start using your head more than you use your body. You become more mental than physical. Change. David did not know how to change very well. But he had to change or he was going to die in battle and Israel would be without a king. Change. Doesn't mean we don't do anything because if you suddenly stop and do nothing, you'll find yourself living in sin, senility, or committing suicide. Change simply means we refocus a little bit on who we are, what we're doing, how we do it, how often we do it. Dr. Han Sella, a noted person looking at aged people, gave three pieces of advice for those of us growing older, whoever that may be here. Know yourself and your abilities as of today. Not what they were 20 years ago. As of right now, know yourself and know the abilities that you have right now. Set a few goals. Not 56 goals, just a few goals. And pursue those goals and enjoy life doing it. That's pretty good advice, isn't it? So as we look at David growing older, We need to understand that change is needful and necessary and some of us resist it. And if we resist it, it's going to have a tragic ending for us. Secondly, in our older years, we need to learn the value of friends. David never had any friends. Well, I take that back. He had one. In all of his years of life and all the different hats that he wore, David had a lot of servants. He had a lot of soldiers. He had a lot of acquaintances. He had a lot of aides. He had a lot of followers. He had a lot of fans. But David lacked friends. In fact, the only friend that we know from the Bible that David had any relationship with whatsoever was Jonathan. 
Why didn't David have any friends as he got older? Because David never took the time to cultivate friendships. Friendships don't just pop up overnight. They have to be planted. They have to be cultivated, nurtured, watered, fertilized, weeded. It's a process. And many men don't know how to do that. Because we've been so busy all of our lives focusing on what we need to do that we don't have time to focus on who we need to be with. David really needs a friend. But he doesn't seem to have any anymore. He was always busy doing, always busy going, always busy working. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. But it's a lonely life. David needs a friend, but he doesn't have any. Dr. Richard Person, a noted sociologist, said this about men particularly, but I'm sure some of you ladies could also be in the mix. He said 90%, listen to this, in his studies, in his observations, in his findings, in his research, 90%, 9 out of 10 men do not have a friend. They are friendless. Now don't get me wrong, they have acquaintances, they have buddies, they have pals. They have somebody to sit down and have a cup of coffee with and talk trivia. But most men... Do not have a friend, particularly at the most crucial time in their life when they're undergoing the change from activity to retirement, from full speed to half speed, from constantly going, going, going to slowing, slowing, slowing. He further goes on to say that people who are friendless during these critical times in life, particularly as you're growing older, tend to battle with loneliness and depression far more than anybody else. I wonder if it's just accidental, coincidental, or ironic that we have about 24 ladies, small groups, ladies who get together and study the Word of God and talk, and share, and laugh, and cry, and hug, and call each other, and socialize with one another. And we have how many for men? (laughs) And that's not even small group. That's just discipleship, where they come and sit around and have a cup of coffee and learn something. You say, Pastor, well, all we need to do then is make some men small groups. Good luck trying. <laughs> if we could have men small groups, we'd have them. But men aren't interested in that. And it's to the downfall of us men. I'm speaking to you men. I'm speaking to me. Most of us don't have a friend. 
If our lives turned upside down right now, we don't really have anybody to go to that we could share personal thoughts and feelings and feel comfortable doing it. Howard Hughes was a billionaire and he died without a friend. Had more money than any of us will ever have and yet he had no friends. Marilyn Monroe died without a friend. She had been used by about every man in Hollywood. She had ladies who took advantage of her. After all, she had money. She had celebrity status, but she never had a friend. Elvis Presley never had a friend. He had a lot of men who followed him around. They called themselves the Memphis Mafia, but I don't know that he ever had a friend in the group. David needed a friend. I don't know this for a fact. I'm just going to speculate this with you. That God raised up Abishai, the bodyguard, to be David's friend in the final years of his life. Abishai seemed to take on a new closeness with David after he saved his life. And maybe a friendship was born there, I don't know. But as we grow older, we need a friend. As we grow older, we need to understand change must come and we must accept it or we're going to embarrass ourselves one day or even find ourselves tragically at loss. And then lastly... In our older years, we need to build a solid relationship with the Lord God. It's interesting that in 2 Samuel 22, the whole chapter, this is David's high water mark with God. David breaks out into words of praise. He thanks God for saving his life. David understands, even if he won't admit it to others, he tells God, he says, I understand, I was gone. I was a goner. That giant would have killed me. Lord, I thank you for saving me. I thank you for using Abishai to save me. I thank you that you're still my rock. You're still my fortress. You're still my strength. I can still trust you, God. Even though I'm growing older in age, God, you still love me. I can trust you. Your promises are true. As we grow older and God slows us down, not stops us, he slows us down. As he seeks to give us a, a friend to help us through the transitions, God is also saying, I want you to know I'm your friend too. And I want to know you more as you grow older because you don't have so much to do now. And I want you to know me more. I want you to study your Bible more, older sir, older ma'am. I want you to become a prayer warrior. I want you to witness more. I want you to serve me more. I want you to develop a relationship with me that you could not have when you were young, perhaps, because you had too much going on. But now you can, if you will. In first and second Samuel 22, I want you to spend some time reading that later. 
As I said earlier, it's David's high water mark of spirituality. I don't believe David was ever any closer to God than right there as he heads toward the closing of his life. Father time and Mother Nature are coming. Shake your head. For some of us, they're here. Shake your head. All of us are going to have to face them, should Jesus tarry. And you have a normal span of years. As we grow older, we need to understand change must come. Change must come. Or we will be embarrassed and face tragic loss. We must understand we need a friend. You need a friend. But in order to have a friend, you have to be a what friend? You have to cultivate a friendship. It's not enough just to walk up to somebody and say, hi, how you doing? My name's Jim. Hi, how you doing, Frank? That's not friendship necessarily. We have to learn how to be able to have someone we can share thoughts and feelings with, have trust with, a camaraderie with, somebody that we can call in the middle of the night, somebody that we can turn to when we're troubled. We also need to realize that God wants to use us in the final years of our life for His glory. Our twilight years of our life ought to be the greatest years God has ever given us. Because we're freed up from many of the things that bogged us down when we were younger. And we now can pursue God and God can pursue us. Interesting. As we look at David, a man after God's own heart. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.